What's up, everyone, and welcome to Beer Breakdown, where we dig into the stories behind some of our favorite beers with the brewers that brew them. Today, I'm joined by Mike Richmond, head brewer at Tarantula Hill Brewing Company in Thousand Oaks, California. And we're drinking a very special beer. This is Cali Day IPA, which, according to the back of the can, says a crushable, lighter IPA with a whopping dose of laurel and mosaic. Uh, This is a really cool, really unique beer. I had the pleasure of trying this beer for the very first time on camera, on air, with Mike. No pressure. Uh, But luckily, this is a really, really cool beer that I really enjoyed. Um, So, yeah, Tarantula Hill doing some really cool stuff right now. Uh, Just got their own canning line in. Just got picked up for Stone Distro. Putting out some amazing beer that is going to be way more accessible in a lot more areas around Southern California and beyond. So if you have not tried Tarantula Hill, uh, highly recommend hitting up your local bottle shop, seeing if they have it. If they haven't, make sure to request it. Um, But also check out their spot in Thousand Oaks. It is a really, really cool space, super unique in the Southern California area in that uh, in addition to beer, they're doing food, pizza, Uh, homemade ice cream, uh, just a really cool family-friendly vibe, and just a a lot of cool stuff going on in that space. Uh, So make sure to check it out next time you're heading up or down the 101. And as always, with this podcast, pause it right now and go out and grab some Cali Day and drink it along with us. The episode just goes down that much better when you do that. So I'll wait, pause it, And then we'll come back and pick it back up. So uh, without further ado, really excited to get into uh, this conversation with Mike Richmond of Tarantula Hill Brewing Company. Check it out. But before we get into it, a quick word from our sponsors, High Low Liquor. I cannot say enough good things about High Low. Honestly, some of the best beers that you can get your hands on in the L.A. area Uh, They're bringing in some of your local favorites. They're bringing in really heavy hitters from around the Southern California and California area. And then also a lot of stuff outside the state and overseas, too. Just a really eclectic, really diverse and really just well curated selection of beer. In addition to all of their other beverages and gourmet foods. So um, just pulling up their Instagram right now. You should be following it. It's at Hilo Beer. Uh, some of the recent stuff they've brought in Highland Park Brewery, their Timbo Week releases. Um, they got in There Does Not Exist. They got in Southern Grist, Stillwater, Bottle Logic, Tripping Animals, Untitled Art, Fremont, uh, Beachwood Blendery, Bottle Logic again, uh, Great Notion, Main Beer Company. The list goes on and on. Honestly, it goes on and on and on. It's so good. Um, so make sure you're following them on Instagram, turn on notifications. So you get that heads up. You're going to want it. Um, but also check them out. They got a store in Culver city. They got a store in long beach. They do delivery throughout most of LA. They do shipping in California. Uh, what else could you ask for? Hilo liquor is doing it right. And we highly recommend you check them out, support us, support them and drink. Well, Hilo. Mike, good to see you, brother. Thank you so much for joining me on a weekend, at the very least, taking the time out of your schedule to sit down, drink some beer, which I know you hate doing. Yeah, this is, this is a tough, uh, it's a tough part of the job, man. So no problem on my end. <laughs> um, so Mike, you know, heading up the brewing side at Tarantula Hill. For anyone that's listening that doesn't know Tarantula Hill, like. What is it? What are you guys all about? Give us the down low. Cool. Well, um, you know, the name is always something people want to know about, and the name's pretty basic. There's, um, if you're ever driving past TO on the 101, there is one hill in Thousand Oaks, and it just kind of looks like a a mound. It's about a thousand feet uh, tall, and there's one little tree on it that makes it kind of distinctive, and it's called Tertula Hill. So you can see it from the brewery. So that's kind of where the name came from. Uh, we're located right on Teal Boulevard, pretty easy to get to right off the freeway. And it's an old plumber's furniture store. Mm. So it's a pretty cool uh, 23,000 square foot uh, building with a big glass front and a nice big deck out front. 
and a really cool old school sloping roof with a bunch of you know metal i beams. Um, so the you know the, the building is really cool. We did a lot of work to it. Um, started in 2018 construction after I uh, left Stone and signed on for this project, and uh, we finally opened in uh, July 4th of 2019. So we decided just we didn't have any of our own beer really, but we have a license to do guest beers and wine. And it was the 4th of July and everyone was like, screw it. Let's just open and get it done with. <laughs> I remember that. That was a, that seemed like a crazy time. Like just rushing to get the doors open. And then I feel like the community was like itching and waiting for you guys to open up. And the first few weekends started off just massive with your outdoor patio yeah. and all the inside just, taken up and it doesn't seem to have slowed down. No, I mean, um, my partners are all from Thousand Oaks. Um, I'm from Newberry Park, which is essentially Thousand Oaks too. So it's kind of cool. The story behind it, we're all, we're all the local, local guys kind of getting back together to do this, you know, massive project. There's nothing really like this in Thousand Oaks. Um, so, you know, we have, we have a lot of support from the community, you know, and just old friend family, um, but yeah, we're we're really happy with how it's going. Um, we were, you know, packed to the gills all before COVID, and now that we're back open and we can have the parking lot as a kind of a beer garden, you know, we're back up back up and cranking as the you know fun spot to be on on the weekends, especially. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, there's not really a spot like it in TO. There's not really a spot like it in a lot of cities. Uh, so break down like the entire concept of Tarantula Hill. I mean, obviously there's the brewing operation, which we'll dig into, but like, what else is Tarantula Hill? Well, that was kind of an awesome overall vision. Um, It was a, it was a lot to bite off, um, but you know, the other guys handled it amazingly. So uh, the vision was, it was for it to be a, a big family spot, you know, where people can go after little league and ASO games. That's where you take the family. Uh, on the weekends. Um, and then, you know, at night it can kind of transform into a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, more, uh, nightlife type of crowd with some live music and such, but inside, you know, we have the brewing operation, of course. Uh, and we have our own really cool custom pizza oven for Neapolitan pizzas. And it kind of just started off beer and pizza, uh, and ice cream got added in our, our other partner, John, he, uh, is big in the ice cream business and he actually hand makes all the ice cream at the brewery that everyone's eating there. So that's kind of a fun little, fun little thing going on there. Uh, we're, we're trying to do coffee and, and, and go over to breakfast, uh, but with COVID happening, that's kind of got all, got all backed up. Uh, and what we found, we were so busy, uh, that the pizza oven just couldn't keep up on its own. So we really had to expand the menu and, um, you know, shift some of that load off the pizza oven. So now our new uh, executive chef, Ivan, is awesome. Um, we've got, you know, lots of typical Southern California fare, in addition to the salads or the pizzas, there's a bunch of salads and burgers and wings and street tacos and burritos and all that good stuff too. So it kind of really ties the whole thing together. Um, and, it, you know, we don't just have our own beer, we do guest beers and cool tap takeovers and we have wine too. We really wanted to be, um, you know, no one, you can't have someone have an excuse not to want to go. If they don't like beer, we have wine and kombucha. And if you don't like burgers and pizza, there's all sorts of other items uh, to eat. And, you know, the the interior space is just came out amazing looking. It's, it's really big and open in there. So it really gives a cool communal vibe. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really like a one-stop shop. I mean... You don't really have to go and when you're planning a group outing with the kids, with different groups of friends and thinking about this person doesn't drink beer or this person's vegan or whatever, like navigating that course, like Tarantula Hill is kind of the go-to default for making sure that there's something for everyone. Uh, Whether it's like, you know, getting together with your buddies and drinking beers or it's like a family thing, like you guys kind of are able to accommodate uh, a lot of different, you know, personalities and preferences and tastes and stuff. Yeah. And if you're just going for like, you know, a little work or having a meeting with someone, 
or taking a big group there, um, you know, we can handle all of that. Um, you can, you know, reserve like uh, stuff for parties. Uh, you know, we were having some awesome Christmas parties before uh, before COVID hit. Um, so, yeah, like you said, you there's really something for everyone to do there. We have usually, you know, between 15 and 18 of our own beers on that are not just, you know, IPAs and uh, and, and stuff. We have a lot of traditional beers as well. Um, so we really made it. You know, we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves uh, ourselves into any certain thing. It is just a massive, a massive project, and it came out really good. Yeah, and I think the location too, uh, Thousand Oaks, obviously, kind of like right on that border of Ventura County and LA County. So you have the draw from like both sides up and down the 101, um, which makes it I yeah. think even more of an attractive destination. Um, if you're like road tripping up the freeway and like you want to make a quick stop off or you know you have people meeting kind of in the middle it's yeah i mean location wise i think is is pretty awesome and I, we spoke at the top you know at the community side i think like building something for the thousand oaks community seemed to be like core to the mission and i feel like you guys delivered on that and then you know, we'll get into Cali Day, but it's kind of representative of your guys' growth where like now you're distribu you're distributing through Stone, right? That's correct. So it's like serve the locals, you know, build that community and then slowly expand outwards. We see so many times breweries try to do the opposite or like try to do both at the same time. And it's like they didn't figure out their identity. They, you know, didn't build that core group locally and they tried to expand too quickly. It feels like you guys are on this like, really nice sequential path of uh of growth like sustainable growth yeah i mean you nailed gary nailed like a couple of things i was going to say right after that um perfectly um location wise uh you know it is kind of center in town it's on thousand oaks boulevard it's super close to the freeway um so it's easy for everyone in, in town to get to but uh like you're saying one of my goals was once we were kind of more established people that are going up and down the 101 you know, from San Diego and uh, all the way to San Francisco and back and forth, um, and especially industry folks like my fellow fellow brewers and just people that are, you know, love the craft beer scene. Mm -hmm. I, I was mm -hmm. like, if, if we see the people starting to stop off and, you know, come and buy four packs and post them on Instagram in their hometowns and, you know, get untapped ratings from all over the place. I was like, that's really was one of my big goals was to see people that are not actually from town, but if they're kind of passing by, they're like, oh, we got it. We, there's this new beer that came out from T Hill. We got to go pick it up and try it and say hello to the guys and stuff. Um, so that was really important. And, you know, I think we're definitely getting, getting to that point where we're seeing lots of, lots of cool brewers stop by from, from all up and down the coast. And that, that definitely makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely apparent. You mentioned stone earlier. Bring me back to the early days, like maybe even pre-Stone. Like, how did you get into beer and brewing? Um, well, I did a, I was a bioscience major at UC Santa Barbara. Um, so I've always been, you know, life science and kind of technical engineering oriented type of person. Uh, actually moved to Washington, D.C. for about seven years after college. And that's kind of where I got into the doing some homebrewing and joined the D.C. Homebrewers Club. And, you know, made a bunch of shitty homebrew in my apartment <laughs> that never came out good. But I was just stoked on, like, the process and trying to repeat, you know, make dogfish, you know, 60-minute or something like that. Um, start, starting to clone stuff. Um, so I really just got into it and um, ended up moving back to California because I wanted to come back at some point and decided to go do the Master Brewers program at UC Davis so graduated there in 2009, and I just asked my professor if he could send my resume to Mitch Steele at Stone because that's where I wanted to work, and he did, and I got an interview and worked at Stone for 10 years. Wow. That's an interesting path. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know your background, and I didn't expect the big DC uh, stint out there, and then coming yeah. back being like, I'm going to get into brewing. I'm going to go straight to UC Davis and do that thing, which I think is a logical move. Um, and then just having that vision, like I want to work under Mitch Steele. I want to work for stone and getting that like direct entry into it. 
Um, awesome. So take me through stone. Uh, you were there for 10 years, you said? Yeah, nine, I think. Okay. So obviously like working up the, the ladder there, I know you eventually got more on the management side, right? Uh, yeah, but started in 2009, moved, uh, yeah, moved right from Davis to Oceanside and started work there right after passing the test pretty much. Um, actually graduated with, um, Brandon Winokur, who now uh, runs Lost Lost Winds in San Clemente, and uh, Justinian Care, who uh, is brewing at Buzz Rock and in, in Torrance. So that was kind of cool. We all went to Stone together, and now we're doing our own thing. Yeah, yeah but you know, typical, uh, you know, work work for not very much money, scrubbing the floors, even though I had all this knowledge. But <laughs> that's kind of how the brewing industry works. You always got to start on the bottom and move up. You know, I've just been an assistant brewer at Stone for uh, a little bit. Um, really motivated, would work any shift, um, and moved right up to running the centrifuge and the filter, um, and then running the brew house, and then being a shift lead, and then soon enough, I was a cellar manager, and then the brew house manager, and then just the brewing manager at the end. So it was cool to see. Other than other than packaging, I didn't really dip too much into packaging, but I got to, you know, see how every other process worked in depth and go through every expansion and growth with the packaging hall and new sellers and the second brew house being added, new silos being added, all, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so I felt like I was just constantly, constantly learning and there was, you know, never, never a dull day there, but I wouldn't have been able to open up a, the brewing side of T Hill with the spectacular fashion that we did without having all that knowledge from stone for sure. What brought you to Tarantula Hill? Like, were you looking to get back on a smaller scale and get more hands on with your own thing? And that just like serendipitously happened or were you kind of like approached by the ownership group and kind of recruited into it or how did that whole process go? That's a pretty cool little story. Um, you know, I was nice and happy at Stone, but, you know, once you're at a certain place for almost a decade, you you do kind of start getting a little, like, looking around and seeing what's out there. But, you know, it was a nice, it was a very comfortable and fun and fun job. And, you know, I had a lot of control over things, so it was, it was good. Um, but, you know, I had my ears open. And it was actually, uh, we were at, uh, Katie and I were at uh, Blueza Palooza, maybe like 2017 or 18. And uh, she got a text from Tyler from Libertine asking for my number. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, I talked to Tyler a bunch of times at festivals, but I just didn't have his number. So he uh, texted me and uh, we chatted on the phone a bit. And he said, hey, there's someone in um, Thousand Oaks that's opening a brewery. And I was like, no shit, my hometown. <laughs> and he didn't know I was from there. And he's like, oh, you're even from there. That's pretty cool. But I was like, who's going to open a brewery in T.O.? I don't even think, you know, the city didn't even allow a brewery to exist at that point, despite there being breweries all around the other cities. And I was like, all right, give me his number. And uh, he gave me his number. And it was it was Ollie from Bottle and Pint. And I was like, what? What, what kind of crazy idea do you got going on, man? Because, you know, I kind of knew him in passing from, from Bottle and Pint as the guy when he opened Bottle and Pine, it was the same story. I'm like, who's opening like a nice tap room in Newbury Park? Like that doesn't really, that hasn't happened before. Right. And so, and so it was Ollie and we chatted a little bit. Um, and he kind of told me the layout. So I snuck out of San Diego a couple of times and took a peek at the spot. It was really haggard looking. Um, <laughs> so I knew there would be a lot of work, but um i was like yeah if you, you know when we have the drawings ready um tell me kind of what you're looking for and i'll give you a lowdown what i think is possible there and then um if, the, if that looks cool and the money is right and i get a little piece of the pie then you know we can we can talk about making this a reality and then we did the first drawing i looked at architectural i was like oh this is gonna blow people away and i was like i'm i'm taking a risk i'm going for it yeah, and the ability to kind of like design and build from the ground up the kind of system that you thought would match the business model and also kind of like your own personal passion, like making sure that you were able to do the things that you wanted to do. I think 
what I'm thinking about is like, you're coming from brewery management at Stone, which obviously isn't like the biggest beer producer in the country, but from a craft standpoint, this is, you know, as pretty, pretty large. It's a, it's a large scale compared to craft uh, across the board. Ninth, ninth largest when I left. Right. So, you know, seeing this like operation at like a high level, managing these processes, going back into the smaller scale and even, even Tarantula Hill, like I wouldn't call it, you know, it's not like the nano brewery of yesteryear. Uh, it's a pretty yeah. decent size from a startup craft brewery, but like, what was it like going into that? What was it like applying those, that mindset of what you were overseeing at stone into a smaller scale and designing that from the ground up? Uh, like with a lot of transfers like that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are, that are way easier. There's a lot of things that are, you know, a lot more difficult, um, on the more difficult wise, it's just, uh, the stress and the, and the burden of just being responsible to open up the brewing side and, you know, just make it work and pick all the right equipment. And I was given carte blanche for that side of the brewery to lay it out however we wanted and pick out all the equipment that I thought would be the fit. Um, so that was definitely kind of the hardest and most stressful part, because uh, once you once you say you're good and you pull the trigger and, you know, the capital investments start start coming in and being uh, being purchased, start cutting the floor, you know, this is how it's going to be. So it better come out good. Um, but, you know, basically took everything, everything I didn't like at Stone and from other breweries, you know, quizzed a bunch of brewers like give me the top 10 things you do different across the company. And, you know, just made a list. And anyone that kept coming up was like, all right, let's do that or don't do that. Um, simple things like have the mash ton grain out, face the door. So it's easy to get the forklift in and out. But, you know, surprisingly, that doesn't happen in a lot of places. Um, when, you have, when you have the chance to do it from the ground up, um, you can do it your way. And, um, you know, I couldn't have done it without, without Dante, who I worked with at Stone forever. So that was part of me signing on to the project was I get to pick, you know, the brewer that's going to be with me to, to make this project work. Um, and they're like, yeah, fine. And I told Dante, I'm like, you're doing this with me. You know, you can stay at Stone for a little bit, but as soon as we're ready to go, I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay you more and you got to come up and do this, man. And, um, you know, and then with, along with him came his, his wife, Tara, who had also worked at Stone for 10 years. Um, and it was a perfect fit for kind of operations. So she handles a lot of the, you know, the book work of TTB and labels and raw material ordering and, you know, all, all, all of that stuff that's just like a massive undertaking. So between the three of us, uh, you know, we, it was a great fit for for everyone to make the project come to life yeah, it sounds like a lot of work a lot of planning but a massive amount of serendipity along with it just like you know you went to newbury park high school this is in to everything's just so local based you're back home i don't know if you planned on like moving back to your home area but here was the opportunity to do so and it's uh it lined up timing wise it's pretty cool yeah, I mean, it wasn't really part of the plan, but you know, like my my parents would say, you know, you don't you don't just get this opportunity. It's 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 definitely risky, but you know, it's a once in a lifetime chance. You you just got to do it. You know, they're like, if you completely fall on your face, we'll we'll help you out. <laughs> Luckily, to have a lot of family support, and uh, obviously, Katie, my wife, was on board with it. Um, she's from the area as well. Um, a little bit farther south, Calabasas area. And, you know, we, our goal in life was to move back up towards the central coast at some point. Um, we both really like it up, you know, Ventura, Santa Barbara, um, Carpinteria, um, and San Luis. Those, those are really spots that we enjoy a lot. So we saw this as kind of the first step in, you know, maybe being able to live a little bit farther up the central coast kind of later in life after this, you know, project is hopefully even more successful. Yeah. It seems like you're moving into the next phase of things. I mean, pandemic aside, the distribution deal, just, you know, getting all of that kind of to the next level. It seems like you're in that process now and 
Yeah, it's a good time for to be in the Central Coast too. Like the Central Coast beer scene is really kind of blossomed right alongside you guys too. Um, I mean, yeah. I since I'm in LA, I tend to think of like, you know, Thousand Oaks, almost like more closer to LA County or like the LA side of things. But I mean, it definitely anchors the south part of the Central Coast, right? It goes like down to like that Ventura County line. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. right down the freeway from us, like one or two exits is LA County. So we are, we are the tail end of Ventura County. Yeah. And the central coast is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I love, I love all the breweries up in our, up in our area, you know, within, you know, everyone in right close to us, uh, you know, good friends with everyone. And also farther up the coast, um, you know, we have a lot of, relationships and friends um up in san luis in that area so you know, all the way up to paso to firestone um so it's just like i said it's a really cool scene on the central coast right now um you know even we live in ventura um it, it's not the ventura i remember when i was in college uh it, it's come it, it's it's pretty cool it reminds me of kind of like how oceanside was when i moved there in 2009 versus Oceanside now. Like the last time I was down there, I hadn't uh, been to Craft Coast and seen Blake since he opened that place. And I was just like, wow, there's so many buildings up here. And this is this is like a brand new Oceanside to me. Yeah. So yeah. I think Ventura is going the same way. And, you know, really cool breweries here, Made West and Topa and Seaward, Ventura Coast, you know, really good friends with all those guys too. So just love living up here. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so and getting into the the distribution side of things there's a number of beers that are in your kind of like core rotation i my first introduction to you was the uh tarantula hill ipa um i remember that took home people's choice i believe at la ipa fest uh, a couple years back and it was kind of like all right i know these guys are from stone like you and i had talked a little bit and I knew that there was to expect good things, but that beer kind of started like cementing the reputation in my mind. And then you got into, you know, putting out a, a number of different styles. The hazy stuff is all fantastic. I had that, uh, that Mai Tai Paradise Falls, uh, which is phenomenal. And, uh, and then Cali Day uh came on the radar it seemed like it was kind of like a pandemic baby for you that came out and uh like slotted into regular rotation at the like beginning part of this year so tell me about cali day like where that's the beer we're going to be drinking today um and while we're talking about it i'm going to grab it from the fridge uh but yeah tell me about cali day yeah cali day was um you know, we have a 20 barrel uh, production system that does all the main stuff and, you know, provides a lot, all the distro for stone um, and some of our heavy hitters to the tap room. But we have a five barrel system, too. that's completely independent. You can brew on them both at the same time. And that's kind of our little R&D and, and fun thing. And, you know, Dante does a lot of work on, on the five barrel and makes a lot of killer just recipes. And, you know, sometimes they're one offs or sometimes we end up making them a couple times if they're popular and if they're really popular then we'll throw it we'll scale it up scale the recipe up and pop it onto the 20 barrel and see how it goes from there so that was cali day was an example of that <clears throat> i forget what we called oh i think we called it a we made it after the lakers won the championship during the pandemic and we called it tastes like victory huh. <clears throat> it was just a for fun r d beer uh, and it was super popular and everyone loved how it came out. Um, and so we made it again. Uh, and, you know, we were like, all right, we can't call it a taste like victory forever. You know, it'll be, it'll be embarrassing if they, you know, <laughs> blown out in the first round of the next year or something, which obviously they did. So, <laughs> um, we've changed, uh, we went ahead and, uh, we're having a bunch of tastes like victories and we decided we wanted to brew it again and, and call it something else. And, um, that's typically how we come up with a bunch of fun names just sitting around the picnic table in front of the brew house, just kind of shooting the shit. And it just popped out. I think Dante came up with it, Cali Day. And we we're like, Cali Day? Like, we we're coming up with like Cali Mist or Cali, all these things that sounded like weed. And we we're like, well, Cali Day doesn't really sound like a, like a weed strain. But surely, like, the name is taken. And, you know, looked it up and 
we were kind of shocked. Like no one has done Cali Day yet. Like, wow, let's, let's do it. And so that's kind of where the name came from. Uh, what's unique about the beer is um, it was the first time we tried this new, uh, new hopping method where when you're transferring the beer into the fermenter and instead of waiting for it to go through all of its things and then dry hopping it later on when it's, when it's done fermenting and recirculating it, uh, we, we learned a, a fun new method that uh, Anthony was using at Virgin um, where you throw, you, you take your dry hop that you would usually put in the beer, but just throw it in the manway while you're brewing into it. And so I was like, I don't know, it's, it's probably not going to work, but this is what the system's for. Let's try it out. And it just comes off like when you, when you dry hop it like that, the beer just comes out really clean. Um, it's not like overly hopped, uh, not bitter at all. We don't even put any bittering hops in it. And, you know, we made it about 6.2 for super scent. So it's a, you know, a great like outdoor, you know, you're at snowboarding on the beach, you know, doing work at the house this is a perfect perfect beer for that and then um of course the artwork uh, our owner knows a uh, risk he's like the, the legend of the west coast graffiti scene um he lives uh super close to us uh you know his little compound where he does all his artwork is right at thousand oaks he's a really cool guy and so we were like we should would, would you be down to you know design labels for it and you know he was um, and so a couple of our cans like Cali Day and Liquid Candy, uh, Tarantula Hill IPA are all, are all, all his artwork, which is, I'm still completely amazed that that is on our cans. And then we actually just made a black IPA. I don't think you've had it yet on the five barrel. We brewed it again. It's called Cali Nights. Ah, nice. So we're, we got the Cali theme going, which kind of matches all of our, all of our personas and the is the Cali Knight sticking to the five barrel? Or are you guys scaling that up? Or what is a black IPA? How do, I mean, how can you even do a big batch of that? Like, are you are you trying that? Uh, the, the first, you know, I was, I'm always like black IPA is a dead style. You know, it, it doesn't sell well ever, um, especially on in market and distro. Um, but, you know, Dante and I really, really love black IPAs. You know, Sublimely Self-Righteous was by far my, yes. my favorite we really love brewing that at stone but we didn't get to that often so yeah we were just kind of around like yeah we got a spot on the five barrel next week let's brew something weird or something different and black ipa came up um and you know we just we made it with much more modern and fun hops it's uh hopped with just citra and nelson i think throughout instead of i think sublimely was simcoe and amarillo um but it came out jet black, exactly how the color we wanted, and a little bit of roast, nice and hoppy. And that's one of those beers where we first sipped it after we carved it. We were like, damn, like this is great. I still don't think it's gonna sell well, but <laughs> and uh, you know, we went through a five barrel batch really fast, and we got a lot of compliments on it from people that had never had black IPAs before, didn't know what it was. And so, you know, we just brewed our second batch with it on the five barrel. And that'll kind of be the gauge of can we make a bigger one or do we just kind of rotate a five barrel every couple months of it so it's kind of hard to see you know don't want to don't want to make a 20 barrel of it and see it get old and go to waste yeah that's a tough one that style in particular is a tough one what was the that thought process like for cali day so you know last year for when it was under tastes like victory and then i think i was trying to do a little bit of research i think it came back as Cali Day last November um, and then in a small batch possibly and then again yeah. In yeah it came back it came back a couple times um, it was hard to do that was right in the middle of COVID so yeah we couldn't just be brewing for fun as much um, especially when we were fully locked down because you couldn't, couldn't get rid of the beer but at least when we were kind of partially open you, we could open up the five barrel a little bit more yeah uh, had there been no COVID, this beer would have been would have taken off right off the bat for sure. But we had to just kind of brew it when we knew we'd be open. Then you get shut down again, and open shut down. You know how it is, especially if it's tougher in LA for sure. But yeah, we brewed it a couple times, and you know, anytime we were open, it just flew right out, and people people loved it. So we knew we were going to scale it up at some point, just for the just for the tap room. Um, and then talks of distribution came on, and you know, Stone guided us through. 
they they came and visited a bunch of times with their whole with their whole crew and you know we put we put our best foot forward and they kind of helped say you know if you're going to pick three or four beers for a distro to start with um, here's kind of what you need to do uh and and they agreed that cali day would be now a, a distro beer that's awesome so after talking about it, I'm thirsty. I'm salivating for this beer. I'm going to crack it open and try it for the very first time. Let's take it step by step as I, as I pour it and kind of taste through it. Appearance-wise, what are you going for here? I mean, it's got this beautiful kind of like um, bright yellow, tinge of gold, orange, um, haze appearance to it. I don't think that you call this a hazy IPA. So I'm assuming this is, you know, that dry hopping that is kind of clouding things up here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's kind of weird. We haven't quite, you know, we're still kind of new with all of our techniques and tweaking them. Um, and we're trying to find the right amount of biofine because uh, we don't filter. So biofine and temperature and time to drop the haze out as much as possible. And, you know, to be honest, we've brewed it sometimes and it's come out like crystal clear. Really we've brewed it sometimes trying to do the exact same thing. And it's, and it's had a little to it. So the goal is to make it come out um, a little clearer than that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, something mm -hmm. we're still we're still working on. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's something to be expected, especially as you're taking a five barrel batch, scaling it up, getting it into distro, into that that bigger production and uh, yeah, figuring out exactly how to treat this beer. Um, yeah, so appearance wise, it looks beautiful. Got a nice little head on it. Um, just really appetizing. I mean, in this day and age a beer like this, like this is what people want to see sometimes even more than clear beer. So um, I mean, me yeah. personally, I, I'd probably lean towards more of the clear beer, but I know enough to like not really pay too much attention to what it looks like um, on the aroma. What are you trying to achieve from an aroma standpoint on this beer and how are you doing it? So the aroma, um, majority, three quarters of the hops throughout the brewing and the dry hop process, that kind of new dry hop process I was talking about, uh, there's only two hops in it. Um, and the main one, three quarters of the hop bill is Laurel, um, which is a hop we used uh, quite a bit at Stone. And it was kind of a brewer, a brewer favorite at Stone. And Dante and I in particular really like Laurel. I've definitely seen it be a polarizing hop uh, for some people, but uh, I think it's fantastic. It's um, they called it Laurel for um, it's a combination of lemon and floral, I believe. So that makes Laurel. And it's very, it's very mm -hmm. flowery and very uh, perfumey. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just one of our one of my one of my favorite hops we used it uh, when ghost hammer came out at stone uh, it was it was a heavy laurel beer and i just love that beer so we had to do a big we had to do a big laurel beer and this is it and i mean it it's hard it's hard to go wrong with throwing a little mosaic in there so yeah there you go <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty ba pretty basic hop bill but you don't see a lot of really heavy laurel beers out there so i think it kind of makes it a little unique on the market yeah, the combination with Laurel Mosaic is great. And like you said, Mosaic plays a background component in the aroma, but it kind of rounds it out. It, it keeps it from getting too floral in that direction. So you have that massive perfuminess, but like it's not astringent. It's not off-putting. That Mosaic kind of berry tropical fruit kind of rounds it out a little bit. It makes for a really nice, nice combination and nice bouquet. Yeah, and actually, our first beers when we opened in the first few months, we did a 100% Laurel beer. It was called Rest on Laurel, uh, and it was you know everyone everyone thought it was a fantastic beer, and it was one of those beers where I thought you know eh, some people will really really like it, and some people will be like, mm, that hop's not for me. But that was kind of the the test of it, of doing a Laurel based beer, and we just got a really good response. And I was like, oh, we'll just you know cut the cut the Laurel down a little bit with some everyone's favorite hop mosaic and. What can go wrong? I'm like falling in love with the nose more and more as I keep digging into it. The beer, I'm in my garage right now. So like it's good 85 in here. The beer's warming up quickly and it's just opening up uh, the aroma side. Really, really great. I, I'm really liking how this beer smells. I'm going to dive into the taste. I'm super thirsty, like I said. Yeah, I mean, you should. it should be pretty crisp. 
um, not heavy like a hazy at all. Um, half of the malt bill is Pilsner malt, so we like we like doing we call it a 50-50 IPA, um, and the, uh, quite a few of our beers have a 50-50 malt bill split of Pilsner and Tiro, and you know, I don't know where we came up with that, but we did, <laughs> and we I mean, that makes up a lot of bases. And there's a little bit of Wyoming pale wheat in there, um, but pretty simple malt bill and pretty simple hop bill. It's just a crisp, clean beer. And, you know, a, a lot of industry people um, like to have more than one of the same beer. And this is definitely, you know, a beer where you can you can sit out and have, have a couple of them and not be too overwhelmed by by the flavor and the alcohol or anything like that. Yeah, I think this is an interesting uh, fit in your guys' core lineup in that maybe five years ago, you would have brewed this a little smaller and called it a session IPA. Um, but yeah. instead, it's it's got a little bit more weight to it. And it's crushable IPA or whatever the late, you know, you don't have, we're not like, we're not pigeonholed by style names anymore. So you can put out something like this yeah. and it can be whatever you want it to be. And in terms of you being the drinker, like if I wanted this to be my sessionable daytime drinker, that's perfectly fine and you can do it. Um, especially for like a hop head, this is, this is on the lighter side. You get all of that hop flavor, all of that hop aroma, but like you said, goes down super easy and you can crush multiple. Um, but if maybe you're not a hop head and you're just kind of more all over the spectrum, you can have a beer like this and you can sit on it for a while and this can be kind of your one beer for the night. So I like that this kind of bridges, it has its legs on like both sides of the spectrum um, and just super dry. I mean, I feel like what I was expecting up front is like you get this like really nice juicy component. And in some of these beers, that juiciness lingers, saturates your tongue and kind of just like hangs around. But this one just it get, gives you that up front and then gets out of the way. It disappears and it gets you ready for sip number two, uh, which ultimately ends up being like gulp number two, because I don't think you can sip this beer. It kind of like once it hits, hits your lips, yeah. like you're taking like a larger swallow just because the weight is like perfectly balanced. It's not too heavy. It's not too thin. Um, I really like how this how I'm experiencing this beer right now. It's really cool. Yeah, for kind of our more West Coast style beers, um, we like them to finish out dry. They all of our all of our typical West Coast. Um, I'll be working in Play-Doh for anyone out there that's in specific gravity, but you know, Tea Hill IPA and Cali Day, um, and most of our you know fun beers on the board that are kind of quote unquote West Coast E are all going to be about one to one point two Play-Doh uh, when they're finished. Um, we go up to about two, five, two, six for the hazies to get that bigger, chunkier mouthfeel in there. But I like these really crisp bone dry IPAs. Yeah, this is really nice. I feel like it does a lot of what, um, like I said, session wants to do and like hazy pale kind of wants to do like there's elements of some of these styles, uh, that kind of combine it takes from you know, almost like on the finish, it kind of like, I almost want to go like, it takes a little bit from brute IPA, like the dryness side of that. Um, and it combines a lot of different elements from a lot of different styles in a way that um, I think makes it appealing for a number of different drinkers or like a number of different drinking situations um, right now in my garage or hitting the backyard, going to the tap room with buddies, like, you know, going up to the mountains, you can grab some cans of this. Um, it's really going to fit in a lot of different situations. I like that. I can see why Stone kind of picked this out as being something that uh, would really fit alongside their uh, their distro package with you. So you brewed it last year under a different name. Like, how has the beer evolved? Do you continue seeing it evolving from here? Uh, any details you can share on that? No, I mean, we had, as soon as we got it dialed in, um, we don't really change. I'm not a big fan of tweaking recipes constantly. Once, once it's where we like it, um, that's just how we keep it for most things. Uh, I'm kind of a stickler for consistency of beers, um, so I'm, I don't want to go and 
change the hop bill and hop hopping methods and tweak the malt bill around. It's it's great how it is. And you know, something I learned from from Stone is uh, once you have a market beer or a beer that's kind of popular, people want the same thing. That's why they're buying the beer. You don't want to go and start changing it up and calling it, you know, like 2.0 and everything like that. It just doesn't work that well. Um, but no, we're not going to change it. We made a couple. Of, the thing that we usually change the most once we have a beer kind of dialed in and we're canning it is we'll do little tweaks to the artwork. So maybe if you see a different, a little bit of different font or coloring somewhere here or there, um, probably not even noticeable to the general public. But that's really the only thing we'll change about it once, once the beer is dialed in. Cool. Yeah, I think that when I talk to brewers, it's either kind of one way or the other. Like some people like just are constantly tweaking, even on established brands, and they don't really care as much about the consistency side, just as long as they feel like they're improving over time. Um, But then, like you said, there's that other mindset where it's like, we've got something good here. People like it, people understand it. And we want to keep hitting on those same notes so that, you know, every time you grab a can of Cali day, you know exactly what you're going to be getting. Um, So I completely get that. Yeah. Like if you, if you buy, if you have it again in November, I want you to, be like, oh, damn, tastes exactly how I remember it. Awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting how, yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about it that much. Like, it's interesting how some brewers will take a brand and consistently tweak it. And I have had instances where I'm like, I've had that, I've liked it before, but I also haven't liked it. And I don't know if I'm going to get it again, or I don't know if I'll recommend it because I'm not sure what it's going to be like this time. So, yeah, there is definitely something to say about consistency uh, in terms of like the consumer loyalty experience, like getting someone to buy the same beer again. I think that's, you know, in today's age of craft beer, I mean, the past like five years or so, loyalty has been the number one challenge. And how do we get someone to buy the same beer again when everyone's got shiny object syndrome, you know? Yeah. And we try to do the, the best of both worlds. I mean, if you want the shiny new object and you pop into the tap room, we have always many new shiny new objects. You know, we just got our uh, new can line up and running. We commissioned it last week. Um, so, you know, thankfully that's all done and I can have a nice weekend this weekend. Um, <laughs> but the goal with the can line, um, the flexibility it allows, uh, you know, we use Boom Hood, our mobile con- canner. And Andres, he's local Thousand Oaks guy. Um, he's awesome. I couldn't be more happy with the work that he did, but the flexibility to have a can line, um, we can essentially come up with a bunch of cool names and kind of styles and then have our artists make, you know, just 10 labels. Uh, and then we'll order them all. So we have 10 labels of all these cool beers that we haven't even brewed yet or don't even know what the recipe is. We just kind of have a name and an alcohol. And then uh, on the five barrel, we just make all these beers and just can them up. So, you know, in, in upcoming months, look for, a, you'll be looking for a cool new can drops a lot more frequently from us because we can, we can brew one on the five barrel, get a couple kegs and then, and then can it off really easily too. So we're definitely going to make sure that we keep up with shining objects and have really fun new cans, can art, beer names coming up constantly. And that allows us to keep these core beers you know, kind of unchanged and the same and, you know, see how they do in, in the big distribution market while keeping, you know, our, our brand uh, and beer super, super relevant and kind of on the cutting edge. Anytime there's a cool new concept in brewing, I learned that someone's doing, we just talk to that brewer or those brewers about it. Um, and then we just go make it on the fiber and see how it comes out. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to do all that fun new stuff while keeping some Corsero beer is super consistent. Spoken like a guy who understands the importance of process, the importance of consistency, but also the importance of experimentation and yeah, keeping things fresh and new. So that's awesome that, I mean, you had the foresight to build that into your brewery floor plan that you have your, what's the full size uh, brew house size? That one into 20. So you have the 20 and the five that are just like working side by side, hand in hand, sometimes 
on different things, sometimes on similar variants and things like that. Also collabs, like you guys have done a few really interesting collabs too. Uh, a Burgeon, Mumford, like some really cool brewers um, that I've seen you guys work with. And like you said, learning from other brewers, like things that they're playing around with that you can then play around with yourself. Yeah, um, you know, doing collabs was a big part of uh, one of the funnest things we did at Stone. And, you know, we definitely wanted to bring we Dante and I had been there long enough and in the industry long enough that, you know, you just gradually start to know everyone. Um, and so, yeah, anyone that we were good friends with, or we really like their beer and their vibe. I mean, it's an instant, we hit them up and be like, we think this would be a good, a great collab. Do you want to do it your place or our place? And so we try to keep those collabs going, going strong. Um, yeah, we had the, Virgin and the Mumford one was great. Uh, the Bottle Logic pastry stout was really fun because I had never brewed anything like that before. That was that was crazy. Uh, so that's <laughs> good to get get under the belt. I think I sent you some. Yeah, I'm excited to try it. Yeah, so that was Wes really helped me get through that brew, and um, it's basically he he pretty much told me what to do, and hope, we hoped it worked out, but it did. Um, we had a fun time brewing the, with the June Lake guys and the distant guys up and up in Mammoth. Um, we love going up there. So, yeah, and look forward to, um, you know, Eric from Casa Agria lives four houses down the street from me. So we have, uh, we've got something up our sleeve coming, coming up, uh, at some point. And then, um, will be on the lookout for, uh, a society collab, perhaps, uh, Doug, Teddy, if you're listening to this, can we get on that more, please? Um, and then uh you know katie obviously works for modern times so pretty good friends with the modern times crew so i'd maybe look out for a modern times collab as well exciting stuff out of the the box of beers that you sent over you know there's a number of, of your beers you mentioned the bottle logic collab um there's the my type paradise falls the liquid candy two of your kind of hazy juicy beers that um, I've had both of them before. I love them. Uh, you also sent something that was from uh, the Frontier Society. So what is, what's the Frontier Society all about? That's just basically our members, our, our beer member club. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of old West influence in, in the Conejo Valley. So the Frontier Society was kind of named after, after the vibe of our area. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty, just a basic club. We just kind of wanted to see what the response would be. Um, so we did it for the second year in a row now, which was pretty cool. A lot of like my high school friends are involved in it, um, which is, which is awesome to see. Uh, but yeah, I think you get like, you know, typical, you get a hat and a shirt and a pin and a glass and some money off a purchase. And hopefully you get to do like a cool event now. Uh, at the end of the year since we couldn't do it during covid but having like a you know vip party with us in the in the brew house would be cool um, but we do uh five can releases a year for the frontier society and uh that's exclusive only so i think you're looking at um the, the final frontier is the one i gave you and that was the last beer of the year last year it's a, a coffee coffee maple stout and I gave you that one just because we have some extras of it and not a lot of people get it and it's a stout. So I tried it the other day, you know, now it's like six months, six months in and it was just tasting, it was tasting awesome. And I was like, all right, I got to send Gary some of this stuff too. So yeah, as we wrap it up here, uh, Cali day, loving Cali day. Um, you mentioned the canning line that just, you guys just got last week. So that's like new, fresh and exciting. We're, you know, hopefully, you know, out on the other side of the pandemic and things are only looking up from here. Um, anything else you're excited about for 2021? Anything on the horizon? Um, getting back to a couple festivals, you know, we got Blues of Palooza coming up in like two weeks. Um, yeah. One of my dreams, bucket list dreams of, of, uh, of being a brewer is, of course, open up your brew, own brewery and get invited to your favorite festivals. So. That would be either Firestone Walker Invitational or Blues of Palooza. So, um, you know, we put a bunch of work in and went up and visited all of our friends up in Mammoth constantly. And we're like, you guys have to invite us. We're here all the time. Um, <laughs> and so we got the official invite and uh, I was super happy. So I was like, cool, there's, there's one out of two dream festivals already already done. 
So really looking forward to getting back out again and mingling around with um, with all a bunch of other industry folk and all the craft beer fans. Um, now that we kind of have our base built up and you know people know about us, it's it it's really going to be interesting to see if we set up a booth at a really cool festival like this. You know what's what's the response? You, you know you never know. Are we just sitting out there kind of? No one's coming over, or do we have a bunch of people coming and hyping up the beer and really enjoying it? Um, so yeah, we got that coming up, and then a uh, craft brewers conference in Denver. Excited to get back to Denver and have a big meeting in the mines with everyone. So for 2021, it's really you know getting back out into the into the public and putting a putting a face on the beer and seeing everyone again, and you know hopefully getting another couple collabs going along. And really, you know, try to just nurture the uh, the distribution with stone and kind of just let it naturally build up. Um, I like to do that so that we're really in control of the beer and we're not moving faster than we want and putting out beer where we're cutting quality corners, which which definitely happens when you start going faster. Um, so luckily, you know, our investors and ownership group is is aligned with that with that plan. Uh, so we can comfortably grow our volume and, uh, you know, keep that Cali day tasting exactly the same. I love to hear it, man. Uh, no change necessary for this beer. This is awesome. So glad that you sent it out. Um, so glad to try it for the first time on camera with you. Uh, I was tempted to, uh, to try it beforehand and I wanted to be like super fresh for this and, what a that's kind of nerve wracking sometimes because I'm like, you know, what if I don't really love it? How do I hide my initial reaction? And it was uh, it was so nice to be able oh, to, yeah. to drink. A I totally I thought you tried it before. So you're like, this is my first time trying it. And I'm like, oh, oh, you better like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. So everyone, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, Cali Day is likely available at better bottle shops near you. And if at the very least, if it's not, uh, let your local spot know to bring in Tarantula Hill. And then next, make your way up or down the 101, stop off in TO and check them out because man, what a space. Uh, the beer's great, the food's great, the vibe's great. Uh, you're a lucky man, you got, you got it going on over there. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit on the interwebs and enjoy a beer with me. And I look forward to doing it in person, hopefully sometime soon, man. Yeah. Whenever you're able to, you know, take a little trip with the, with, with the new baby, just come on up and we'll get, we'll have some beers waiting for you or hopefully we'll see you out at a, at a festival soon, but yeah, don't, don't be a stranger. It's on my list, man. Thanks so much. Uh, good to see you and enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Hey, you too. And when you try, if you try some of those other beers, shoot me a text about what you think of them all too. I will for sure. Thanks a lot for sending them. All right. Here's Gary. All right. Thank you. Take it easy, Mike. See ya. Later. And there you have it, folks. That was Mike Richmond of Tarantula Hill Brewing Company. Uh, if you didn't get Cali Day before the episode, you sure as hell better get it now. So head out to your local bottle shop, head out to Thousand Oaks to the brewery itself and pick up Cali Day along with a bunch of their other beers that they have for sale. Such good stuff. Thank you to Mike for joining me. Um, keep up the great work over at Tarantula Hill. Really excited to see what you guys got going on in the future. And thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to support Hopped LA, of course, we'll uh, accept all of the normal podcast things. Rate, review, download, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But really where it's at is our email newsletter, the Hopped LA Insiders. HoppedLA.com slash subscribe. This is where we're putting out all of our latest content, all of our breaking news, all of our new products, services, merch, uh, just anything else that we have coming up, uh, events are a thing that we're working on. So, you know, many festivals and tastings, uh, new merch, uh, we did the beer box. We hope to be doing more of those. So, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to our email newsletter to stay on top of everything that we have going on. We really appreciate your support again, hopdla.com slash subscribe. Do it now. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.